Warning, if you are a hashtag millennial or you do not like hashtag millennials, you may get hashtag triggered by this hashtag video. Hashtag you have been warned. Hashtag YOLO. Hashtag hashtags. Professor Ben Freudenberg from Concordia University, Ann Arbor. How are you doing today, Ben? I am wonderful, and it's great to be with you today. You're a father, uh, you're a parent, you're a spouse, you're a worker, and you have several hats. Concordia University on the Ann Arbor campus, uh, there's a program called the Family Life Program where we uh, develop family life educators for the community, the church, and the hospital. And uh, there's a, a curriculum that we've developed, a great program, and our hope is to provide the church with professionals that are have the knowledge, skills, and attitudes to serve families well. Besides that, uh, as the program grew, we developed the Concordia Center for the Family, which I now am the director of. It's affiliated with the academic program, okay. but our mission is to raise the capacity of organizations like churches, schools, hospitals, universities to help families thrive and we do that in a variety of ways through research training different kinds of programming uh, in our districts and senate and how does this play this this plays out you have a number of students in the program and you also are available to the church to go out and speak on these topics sure we we do we we've got about a hundred students in the program wow. uh, about 40 of which are for the church and 30 in the going into be child life specialists and hmm. 30 that are going into community service. And then the Concordia Center for the Family is really an outreach arm uh, to others in our communities where we do a lot of training, develop research. We just finished the uh, church worker family needs assessment for our Senate and we had the reveal uh, last spring. So just working with the Mid-South District right now in a new initiative called Generations to Generations. So hmm. the Concordia Center for the Family is out there working with families. Well, that that is excellent. I know I've always joked about saying that, you know, it all begins in the family. A lot of people oftentimes think that, well, this ministry is something, well, somebody else is going to do that when they, when they get off somewhere and they go to college. And I always explain it. If you have a strong family... It makes my life as a campus pastor a whole lot easier. Does that seem to pan out with what you would see, too, that if we strengthen our families and we get back to those kind of roots that we'll see dividends elsewhere? I think that's the biblical view. Uh, God created the family to be the core or the center of our culture and our civilization. 
So the stronger the family, the stronger all the other organizations are in our culture. Strong family, strong church, strong schools, strong neighborhoods, strong nations, um, and especially strong churches. So as the church really has a great opportunity to impact every family to help them grow in their capacity for the sake of the gospel. It's just awesome. No, that's, I mean, that's what it's about. And, and it seems to me that even our evangelism, you know, people, even our evangelism outreach efforts through our churches, if we strengthen our families and our families, you know, going back to Paul's model and in, in Ephesians 5, that, you know, that when we see this, the strength in marriage and the strength in family and, and, and the world sees this. And, and, you know, we've always noticed that, uh, you know, people notice, people notice when there's something different about this family. It makes them want to, consider maybe coming to their church and is maybe easier to invite them because if our families are strong it's it's very attractive today in a world where we don't see a lot of focus on the family that's for sure so thank you for what you do and uh we'll make sure we have a link to several of the links to the to the concordia center for the family and concordia university ann arbor and in the archives and when we push the program here but we brought you on today um in essence to talk about uh this group, we've been talking about them for a decade or so, the millennials, and specifically in terms of you know what it's going to be like when they, they want to raise families, but more specifically in the wake of Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma bearing down um, as this airs in Puerto Rico and maybe uh, other places in the Caribbean and, and heading to Florida. And Lord have mercy, we encourage everybody to keep um, all those in its path in your prayers. Um, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to serve. And I have always, in any campus minister, any campus worker will tell you, young people want to serve. They are ready to go. This These millennials, they're ready to just, just take off right now and we're trying to hold them back. But who are these millennials? Let's boot this up a little bit. How, where do they fit into the scheme? And, and aren't, aren't we getting ready to move to another generation, too? Where, 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 where do the millennials fit into all this, and who are they? Yeah, yeah, and I think when you think of millennials, we always kind of think of them as the, the younger people. <laughs> the, the reality is today, the millennial generation, the youngest is now about 15 to 17 years old. And they're about 30 to 35 or even a little older uh, in the older millennials. And so, you know, they're in our junior high, they're in our senior high, they're right in the, the middle of the generation is in our, our universities and, and the older millennials are having children. And uh, that puts a whole new spin on um, who these millennials are. They're young professionals, uh, moms and dads, uh, you know, putting their kids in kindergarten. So uh, millennials are growing up. Uh, millennials are also the largest generation on the earth. Uh, they outnumbered the, the boomers by millions. And they're, they're our digital natives. They're the ones that hmm. really thrive on um, the social media. Uh, books are like a novelty. It's, uh, it's interesting in classes today. I asked uh, one of the kids, I said, well, where's your book? She says, it's on my phone. I said, oh, excuse me. So, no, yeah. I know my own son, my own son is a sophomore at the University of New Mexico, and I'm always like, Sterling, I never see you reading a book. You're always on your computer. And he's like, well, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the, and, and you know, we need to learn from them. Now, these, these are, these are really bright young uh, adults. They've got many, many gifts. 
the the struggle is we we see that they're the least church generation, mm-hmm. even though they're the largest, and that that really uh, bothers me. I don't mean that there's something wrong with them. I'm just wondering why the church hasn't attracted them uh, as other as it has other generations. And one of the things I've really learned about them is that they're really individual. When you ask, a, I don't know if you've experienced this in class, but if I ask the class a question, like a group question, it's dead silence. If I ask an individual a question, hmm. they're more than happy to talk about it. So I've really had to shift my thinking from well, I, I group conversation that. to individual conversation. And they're so. happy to talk if you directly ask them. And if you say, well, oh. I asked the group, nobody responded. They said, well, you didn't ask me. Um, so exactly. no, I, I can I can see that um, I think you're onto something there. So with with millennials being okay, they're the biggest they're the biggest group, the least churched. Of course, we're growing into, you know, the I don't ever like to quote statistics unless they agree with what I already thought, um, <laughs> which, is, which is how everybody uses them. But you know, there's this survey that comes out every year of I don't know if you've seen it. It's by UCLA. Of, of incoming freshmen, 150,000 <laughs> incoming freshmen um, and their thoughts and what makes them tick and whatnot. And so this, you know, infamous nun category of those that have no religious background whatsoever has gone from 8% roughly um, of incoming freshmen say that they have no religious background whatsoever to almost, almost 30% in one generation. And so... Uh, so that would not that would not uh, bode well for this generation. But of course, as you know, and with what you do, I don't know if we can completely blame the millennials for that, because perhaps we have to blame the breakdown of the family a little bit that that brought them forth, don't we? Right. Each generation, um, fewer and fewer have connected to the church. Uh, and I'd like to even think about connecting to Christ as Lord and Savior. Okay. Uh, the the builders, um, my mom and dad, that 60%. And then you come to the next generation, the boomers, was 40. The Gen Xers, about 25 to 30. And they're saying the, the millennials will be uh, 10 to 5%. And so you can begin to see that as each generation, fewer and fewer adults are connected to the faith. Fewer and fewer of their children are connected to the faith. And, you know, that's where family life education and ministry really becomes important is to reconnect the family to their role as faith shapers and as godly men and women who can pass that faith on to generation to generation. So I think you're right. I I think we, I'm not sure there's any blame to be. I think it's just a new way of thinking. It's a it's a new age, and we've got to embrace new ideas. Well, and we very much are in a post-Christian um, society. I mean, it's just it's just kind of a fact that we have to deal with and that we have to recognize that we, by God's grace, do the best that we can with what we have. And it seems to me, getting back to the basics with what you're trying to promote of, of focusing on strengthening families in that core uh, is, is so crucial. And I, I think millennials instinctively know that. It's not it's oh. not that they don't know it. In fact, a lot of times in my experience as a campus pastor for many years, they don't want to make the same screw up mistakes that they saw with their own parents. 
And so, exactly. so, so it's not that they don't instinctively know they need to do something different, right? Well, and I, yeah, I agree. I think the, at least the students that I work with here, um, they're very interested. They call my class a two for one because they, they get a career and then they get a, get to learn how to be family again, oh. how to be. And so they, they're, they really enjoy the classes. And I, I think the topics are very, very relevant because they want to be better at this whole idea of husband, wife, uh, mom, dad. And, and going back to the spirituality, I, I don't think this is a godless generation. I think they're very spiritual. Um, and I, I, I just think we need to help them, um, navigate their spirituality and to help it become, uh, more relevant in their life. Um, and so I, I see a lot of great spirituality, a little confused, yeah. <laughs> a, uh, a little, um, maybe off-centered, uh, dabbling in maybe things that aren't helpful, but uh, seeking spirituality, uh, not rejecting it. See, when we um, talk among us in the campus ministry world, people get excited about, I mean, it's kind of a bummer to think that we have, we have less, we have more atheists and agnostics among us in our campus populations, but in a way, it's also terribly exciting the opportunities to reach out to those because I always I always tell campus workers if you're if you're not sure where to start, <clears throat> excuse me, don't go looking for the the emotional kind of pablum that's out there. Go go talk to the atheists and the agnostics because what's exciting about trying to reach out to them is that they're actually asking questions about the existence. And they're not anti-spirituality as much as they don't know what it is or where to find it, and they're at least looking for it. And so, in a way, and they don't. They just need some guidance in the right direction, to, so that they can come into contact with 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 uh, with Christ. You're right, and they're 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 really seeking not not the sugar coated. They want to know the deep meaning of spirituality and who this Jesus is and how he relates to them and how he gave their li- his life for them and why he would do that and how this God is such a relational God and a loving God and yet a, a very righteous God wanting to do what's right and just. And they're very interested, but they want to know the answers to hard questions. They're sure. not afraid to, to dig in. No, absolutely. Um, and that's that's one of the most exciting things about working with this generation. And uh, so um, so one of the things that the millennials have, and this one get, get into the meat of what we want to talk about here, this idea of service. Millennials yeah. love to serve. In fact, oh, yeah, they, they would do it all the time. What, what, why is that? I, I don't know why that is, but it surely is. I've worked with the millennials in the church now on the campus. And, you know, already at Concordia here, at Concordia Ann Arbor, last week, they were collecting items to send uh, to Concordia Austin to partner and collaborate. And so, you know, they, they are more than eager servers. Um, they grew up, I know, in our churches on going to servant events, on mission trips, sure. sponsored by, by the, uh, the, our national church body, and so the LCMS, and so the, you know, they, they've had this flavor in, in their life of, of servant life, of service. 
they love it. Um, in fact, we've, we've got a number of our family life students who want to be church workers going into the church as, uh, uh, community service leaders, not necessarily youth leaders or children's leaders, but how do you help serve the underprivileged, uh, community that they, uh, that we have in this area, especially in Detroit. So. Yeah, these guys are really servant-minded people. I, I always wonder if, you know, it's fascinating to me because I, I hang out and work with college students all the time, and I always tell people that if you hang out and they're still in the millennial age, that most people view the millennials as being the, a, a bunch of selfish, self-absorbed brats, right? And I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, I see a little bit of it. I mean, it's, I see it in terms of how it's often portrayed. But I almost wonder if they just many times, even in the church, we've never really given them things to do. We've never really, you know, this is a generation that grew up with smartphones and not really getting chores from their parents or feeling part of it. And then they, at church, they're certainly not, you know, you can't usher till you know you're 80. And so, you know, they've never really felt like they could. I always tell people one of the best ways to keep your young people involved in the church is to give them some things to do because then they feel connected to the church. And so yeah, I wonder I, if this is an outlet for them to feel connected to something bigger than them, maybe because we haven't always given them the most opportunities to do that because I've never right. met a young, a young person a day that wouldn't rise. If I, if, I go, if I got on this radio right now and said, I need a 1,000 college students uh, down in Houston, we wouldn't get a thousand, but we might get two hundred, <laughs> which is yeah. still pretty remarkable. Well, you know, I've asked that question of my students, and what does the church need to hear from you? And one of the things that stuck out is they often feel invisible in the church, just what you said. Um, and so, how does the church begin to see them for who they are and for their giftedness? I think you're right on to something there. And they they also said they're not thirsty for programs; they're programmed to death. Right. They're thirsty for consistent, genuine relationships. Um, mm -hmm. And even though they come from a fragmented uh, culture, uh, they need personal attention. Even though they have these iPhones and all this digital world, they lack human touch. Uh, and they really crave belonging, uh, to, to, uh, something greater than themselves, like a spiritual community, like a Lutheran church. But they need that as they are respected, encouraged, loved, and that people are patient with them. And because they, they're really seeking shelter from the guilt and, of the, of the life they live, and they are hungering for unconditional love in a very hostile culture. And, man, those words just really resonated with me. I, I really believe that those are some things the church needs to think about as we, as we invite them to connect uh, to the recovery process in our crisis like Hurricane Harvey. So what kind of things do you think? I mean, we're kind of waiting... Waiting the time out here. I keep Dr. Johnson with disaster relief. If you listen, we got people that they want to come down. <laughs> Just waiting yeah. for you to say, <laughs> trying to hold them back. I'm only so strong. But they, you know, I get these. You know, they're dying to go. To, um, what other kind of ways do you think that young people want to connect? I mean, obviously they love road tripping. 
Um, yeah, give well, up some Mountain Dew be... and Snickers and sleep, sleeping bag on a church floor. They are, you know, they don't they don't need to stay at you know at the Hyatt Regency. No, I mean, you know, one of the th- ways to figure this out for the church, and I would encourage the church to do this, is just ask them. You know, you know, how can we engage you? So I did that in class this morning. I I taught a two-hour class, and I started out with this question: um, how how could the church connect you to helping the uh, people in? recover from Hurricane Harvey. Oh, wow. What and, did they say? This is great. And, and exact, first of all, they said, why don't they ask us? <laughs> 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 and I, I thought that's, you know, that's so typical. If they're feeling invisible, what a, oh, 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 nah, that would be their answer. And so I said, well, okay, I'm asking, <laughs> what would you do? And they, well, they said, uh, well, maybe um, the best way is uh, to number one, connect us to people, not to programs. In other words, uh, connect us to a person who we can serve with. Okay. Uh, that's maybe doing something already there. Um, and then another one said, and you know, I'm I'm a very busy person, but if you gave me a list of things that I could do. And you gave it to me in a way that was simple for me to connect to it, I would do it. In other words, because they're so individual, we have to kind of have a menu of things that would be um, available with simple directions for them to engage in. And uh, that that does fit their lifestyle, wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Um, an- another one said collaborate with us. In other words, Hmm. after, don't just tell us you need us to help you, but actually collaborate with us and value our gifts. Um, You know, I was listening to the radio this morning and, you know, there's this whole group of millennials, I think a lot of them are, that are actually using drones to help in the recovery process on, on first responders. And that's so millennial, right? right? And you and I would never, I, you and I would never have thought about that, but they do. No, but they do. I mean, so I think one of the things the church could do is really listen to their ideas uh, and value their gifts, and then begin to maybe take some of their advice, <laughs> and, uh, because they do. They work differently. And oftentimes that difference is foreign to us older folks, but maybe they've got a better a better idea than our idea, and at least a compromise would be really attractive to them. Well, I think that is absolutely helpful. I mean, lots of times, and I fall in this to myself. Well, we, you know, I will hear down. Well, we need college students. We need them to do this, and then I go, okay, we need this, and they're like, well, why didn't you just ask us? Maybe we would have come up with that ourselves, but we might have come up with some other ideas that might even be better. And you know what? Um, I don't think I've ever been disappointed when I've given them a shot to do that. Oh, no, they always do it better. In my experience, the, the millennials will do it better than I could. In fact, it's kind of embarrassing when your students <laughs> outperform you. I mean, that's, that's the reality. But, you know, they also said that they wanted to be connected to people, not to programs. 
Right. And th- that goes back to that idea is, uh, don't join, you know, I don't have time for a committee, but if you, if there's a person I could help, connect me to that person, either I can help them or they can help me help others. Um, and you know, that fits so. well with that, that. It makes sense to me because this generation, you know, they're so connected. I, as a campus pastor, I used, they used to look at me and say, my own students and say, please do not make us sit through some PowerPoint presentation. And they used to say, put it this way, pastor, would you just talk to us? We just want to, yeah. we want to visit. And I think that gets back to maybe the underlying thing here is this desire for the deep rootedness of their need for relationships. Um, right. And especially, you know, in, in terms of family and church and things that matter. Um, I mean, if you, if you really think about it, um, we need to also engage them as individuals, not as a group. Right. And so we tend to have this idea, well, they're the millennial group. Right. And so let's <laughs> talk to them as a group. But that's not how they think. They want to be addressed as individuals. So you wouldn't put out a, you'd call them individually. You would text them individually. And this would be more appealing to connect them to what you're doing than to talk to them uh, as a group through a bulletin or mass media. Um, it's, again, what you just said, that personal relationship is so key to engage them. Well, Professor Freudenberg, thank you for your tips and your ideas and for all that you do there at Concordia and Arbor and helping us all to uh, seek to strengthen our families. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, My pleasure. Have a great day. I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial. Well, I'm not a millennial, but I am the Chancellor. Pastor Mark Azil signing off. Remember, college students, go to lcmsu.org. College is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help.